walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, as always, Kyle, aka the hardest part of the ring. And. <laughs> This show, man, We're, we we got a doozy for you today. Get your sunscreen, get your shovel, your pail, your 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 lube, all this all the stuff that you would bring to the beach. Gather all of that up, put it in a wagon, and drag it to this episode. Bash at the beach, 1995. Wow. What a uh, what a spectacle this show was. I uh, I don't know how I've like avoided <laughs> this pay per view my entire life. I feel like I, I feel like I've like vaguely heard about it before, but I've never like thought about it in depth or really watched any of the matches that occurred on this show. But by golly, is it a sight to see? And uh, the reason for that. It's because this show, Bash at the Beach, not only is it a bash, because it's always a bash, right? But this year, it's actually on the beach. That's right. They plopped a ring on the sand right by the waves and the and the and the and the and the lifeguard stands and the, uh, help me out. What's, what else is at the beach, guys? Uh, dunes. Uh, sand crabs, all of that is in the same vicinity as uh, as a major pay-per-view. Because that's the thing, right? Because we can we, we, we talk about this a lot in the episode and how just logistically it's kind of insane that they did this, right? But at the same time, I applaud them for doing it. Them being Eric Bischoff, WCW, wh- whoever originated this idea and put it into action. I applaud them. I applaud WCW for doing this because, as I said in a recent YouTube video of things that could improve WWE, one of the things I said was based on stuff like this. One of those things was themed pay-per-views. Making pay-per-views feel different than just the normal run-of-the-mill TV show or live event or whatever. And... Whether you like this show, whether you hate this show, one thing you cannot say is that it just felt like another show. It just felt like another WCW Saturday night or another WCW pay-per-view because there is no other show on earth that felt like this one. And I will never forget this, most likely. So 
I applaud them for that. Now, in execution, does it make a lot of sense to do this more than once? I don't know if it does, but we discuss the pros and cons on the episode. So I guess that's kind of why we do this, huh? But that being said, you know, we have this spectacle. We have this gimmick. We're on the beach. Isn't it? Isn't it kooky, gang, that we're on the beach? You would think the matches, the content of the show would be kind of throwaway because the appeal is that they're on the beach. Look at the crazy location that we're at, right? We're at we're in Huntington Beach. It's like, isn't it crazy that we're doing this, right? You think the matches and the content would be just throwaway stuff. But in reality, <laughs> this show is full of like blow offs to major feuds that have been months, if not years in the making. Hogan and Vader main eventing this show in a steel cage for the world title. Fuck, when was the last time Hogan defended his WCW title? Was it like, has he even defended it in 1995? I don't know if he has, and we're in the goddamn summer. Major main event right there. And it just happens to be with, with waves in the background and Baywatch girls surrounding the ring. It's crazy. You got Bobby Heenan has his white uh, pants tucked into his polo and his sunglasses. There's a lot going on here. You got Macho Man Ric Flair. Blood feud. Flair attacked Macho's dad. They they had a, a, a match at the last pay-per-view, Great American Bash, and then, and then Flair won in a brutal way. I think he hit Macho Man in the head with like a bat or something, if I remember correctly. It's been a brutal feud, very personal feud. But what better way to blow that off than in a lifeguard lumberjack match <laughs> with palm trees and coconuts and someone tanning their cheeks in the background. I don't know. So you got Hogan and Vader blow off. You got a Macho Man Flair blow off. You got a DDP and Dave Sullivan blow off. Uh, at least I fucking hope so. Jesus Christ. Why are we still doing this? Um, but a lot going on. The spectacle of it all is, a, is, is podcast worthy in itself. But the matches are uh, not good for the most part. But it's look. Three words. Dungeon of doom i'll leave it at that so a lot going on in this show and uh could not have had a better guest than bama dave from the smacked raw podcast that's right doubling up on the smacked raw this month to start out the new year had kyle on last week which is a great episode back last 2002 if you have not checked that out but uh this week we got dave from the smacked raw podcast you can check out the Smacked Raw podcast live on Twitch, on YouTube, and uh, wherever you listen to podcasts as well, of course. Uh, I've been on Bama's show a lot. Some of the shows that he hosts under the Smacked Raw umbrella. Uh, some that come to mind are uh, top 10 tag teams of all time. Uh, we created the pay-per-view schedule, an ideal pay-per-view schedule for WWE done various prediction shows uh check your temperature as he calls it i've been uh, fortunate enough to come on his show a lot uh so go check those episodes out that i've been on but as well as all of the episodes that smacked raw puts out so uh, go check them out at smacked raw pod on twitter and you can follow dave on twitter at bama dave 24 i'll put all of their info their link trees their patreons all that in the description below as well go check them out a lot of cool guys over there 
lots of unique content from the SmackDown crew. So go check that out and check this out, why don't you? Let's get into it. WCW Bash at the Beach 1995 with myself and Dave from the SmackDown podcast. Um, which right off the bat, what do you, what did you think of that? You, you turn on the show <laughs> and they're and like literally there's, it's a beach and waves in the background right. and there's a huge crit. So it looks like an MTV spring break thing around it. What did you think of that conceptually? I, I gotta admit the first time when I first, uh, when the show started and I saw that, I was like, why hadn't anybody done this since then? I thought this is really, I mean, I, I get it. You have no air conditioning. You got sand to deal with. You got, you know, it's probably, I'm sure it's a, it's a sound nightmare and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So it's a lot less control, but it's bash at the beach and literally they're on the beach. So I was like, this is a, this is a memorable thing. I'm like, I'm, ne- I'm never going to forget the spectacle of that. It was really, really cool. It was crazy. Yeah. There was some points in the show where it was like, man, that's, that's an awesome visual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, logistically, I can see that being a nightmare, just like the electricity setting everything up on the sand. Exactly. Um, they might've even said something about this. I don't know if anybody paid to be there. I think they were just on the beach Yeah. and they just like, so you, you don't make a lot of money doing it. And yeah. plus the extra money probably, probably goes into like transporting all that stuff and like fees you got to pay. Merchandise and licenses. sales, you know, whatever. It's what, probably whatever they a nightmare. Have, yeah. Plus you're, you're wrestling under the beating sun, right. which I think played a lot into a lot of the matches being like kind of like there there was a lot of short matches on this show i don't know if you noticed that yeah rarely did a match go past like five minutes right i mean the show as a whole was like what two hours 20 minutes two hours 20 25 somewhere around there yeah yeah but you know that's that's kind of where i'm getting at is i don't think the content of the show was important to them as much as hey look at us we're we're on on the the beach beach. (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and Credit to him, man. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it got a lot of buzz. Yeah. Um, separating themselves from like WWF and all that. Yeah, so. and this is WWF's really lull time. So this is a major deal to, for WCW to do something different like this. So. Yeah, and even ECW starting to gain a little steam at this point. They're not, you know, nowhere near with it. They're not on TV or anywhere close to it, really. Right. But um, they're they're making names for themselves too. Um, but yeah, definitely a. Uh, I guess overall. We kind of, we kind of touched on it, but overall, what were your thoughts on Bash at the Beach '95? Uh, if I'm gonna grade it, I'm gonna give it like right at a C. Um, it's uh, yeah. maybe I may I may even be generous and go C plus. There there's a couple of matches on here that I'm never gonna forget. They were they were well done and they were very memorable. the The biggest thing for me is, I mean, you you're a little bit younger than me, but I got to watch these guys wrestle. You know, especially Sting, I got to watch him wrestle in his prime. Yeah. And so I got to, I, I grew up 10, 11, 12 years old. Sting was in his, you know, early thirties. So he was in his peak condition. And so watching him and I, watching Hogan in his early forties and Flair in his early forties and Macho Man, when they still yeah. could go and when they still had, you know, this megastar status and everybody was really wanting to see them. So it just, I immediately felt like I, this is why I fell in love with wrestling. These over the top characters that were just so good at captivating mm-hmm. you and has such charisma. So yeah, but it just, it was cool to go back there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, for me being somebody that was born in 93, I missed a lot of their primes, right? But this is, it's kind of a cool period here because it's like, it has that modern kind of feel, but still has those older characters. Exactly. And like you said, they can still pretty much do at least what they've always been able to do. Like Hulk Hogan, like 
you know, say what you want about Hulk Hogan, but he was just as good here as he was yes. like physically as yes. he was at any point, you know? Um, Absolutely. But yeah, lots of that, lots of throwbacks on the show. But uh, yeah, so the show kicks off. Like I said, they're on the beach. They have uh, Heenan, Tony Shivani, Tony Shivani. They're uh, like in polos and sunglasses under like a little and, cabana. And short shorts. <laughs> oh, man. So Tony Shivani, fun fact, went to the same college that I did. And really? when I went to college, people dressed like that. So <laughs> it all makes sense. Like he had like the what the salmon shorts or whatever. Yes. Tucked in. I was like, yep. And like he had boat shoes or something. I was like, yeah, that sounds mm. pretty James Madison University to me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so man, in Slim Jim, I hope you like Slim Jims because if you don't, you're going to hate this show because. Yes, you are. <laughs> Do you like Slim Jims? It's it a hot question. I know, but it's uh, I, I could take it or leave them. I mean, if somebody gives me one and says, you know, snap into it, I'm going to snap into it. But yeah, I don't have to have one, <laughs> but but uh, it's it's just funny to it's just funny to go back and hear the macho man snap into that Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's, so. <laughs> they were going to milk every dollar that they could. Oh, out of yes, that. they were. Oh, yes, they were. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kicking it off the show with the uh, the United States championship on the line. We got the champion Sting versus Ming, uh, of course, accompanied by Colonel Robert Parker. Ming is mm-hmm. and uh, Sting hometown boy obviously and you know he's the surfer guy he's by the beach he's in his element i mean this show is made for him right outside his hometown yeah so yeah he had the crowd behind him and uh but before the match we have a little uh like a vignette uh, for ming did you Mm -hmm. you recall that one it's a uh i do uh yeah they're trying to set up all the different styles of martial arts he knows and how he's lethal with anybody he gets in the ring with, how with one kick he can end a match. And mm. and I'm like, okay, well, if he's this dangerous, why is he with Colonel Robert Parker? It's just yeah. <laughs> that, that, that little disconnect there. And by the way, for context, Ming is, loses like all the time. Like he lost to yes. Sting at the last pay-per-view. He lost to Jim Duggan, I think, at a previous one. He mm-hmm. there's like a double count out at a previous. So he hasn't exactly been, uh, you know, stacking bodies unless he's doing it on like Saturday night or something. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever. Give him a vignette. Build him up. Like you said, it's kind of it's like uh, the graphic where he's doing all the martial arts poses and yeah. um, says that he can do uh, was seven forms of martial arts. Yeah, something like that. And then it cuts to a sting promo backstage. And Sting's like, well, this guy knows seven forms of martial arts. I know seven forms of crazy. Crazy. Yep. Sting. Um, <laughs> it's just funny watching him because yeah. he's still on TV nowadays. And yeah, he was never the he was never the greatest promo, but he the, he always had such energy and such charisma. And fun fact, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. For I it. actually prefer the Surfer Sting over the Crow. I think that's I, fair. I, I, yeah, I, I just. Maybe it's nostalgia, but I love the the high energy hype up the crowd. Yeah, you know, at any point the, the death lock could go on when he when he pulled to it. This, I think he threw the stinger splash with more intensity and more power when he had that hyped up surfer energy. Mm-hmm. When he hit with, as the crow sting, he was more methodical, slower paced, darker. So you know, it just to each their own. I mean, the crow sting is what he's probably the most remembered for now, and yeah. now he still he still wears it today, but. 
if if you said what's your favorite period of Sting's career, it would be the Surfer Sting from the early '90s. So no, I get that. He's very you know because me me trying to put myself in the myself in the shoes of somebody watching this in '95, I can I could picture myself like if I was watching at the time, I, I would be a huge Sting fan for sure. I yeah. definitely get the appeal. I was. He's got that like innate charisma. Um, I am. He's probably if he's probably my second favorite wrestler of all time. Honestly, who's he first? HBK. Okay. That's respectable. Not Ming? <laughs> no, but I will say this. Ming was, I did, I was scared of Ming when he finally paired up with Barbarian and became the Faces of Fear. Yeah. That's when I was like, okay, this is where Ming belongs with with this guy in a tag team. That's yeah. where he belongs. So. My introduction to Ming was uh, the 2001 Royal Rumble match. When he mm. came out, I don't know if you recall that, he had the big, the big afro and the big pants. Right. He was teaming with Rikishi. Right. So in my head, that was who Haku was, but uh, exactly, definitely a different. Well, not that different of a presentation here, but um, so the match had this is probably like if we're talking about like a, from a technical standpoint, maybe the best match of the card. You could argue mm-hmm. the main event as well, which I might probably go with the main event. I would go with the one right before the main event, but we'll get there. Okay. You know what? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But um, Sting and Ming going out here. It's, it's a classic. I mean, they're not, you know, doing anything groundbreaking out there. Like no. I said, they're kind of it's like, hey, we're at the beach, gang. Look at us wrestle at the beach. Isn't it silly? Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it's a solid match. You have the prototypical baby face and Sting. You have a great heel character and Ming. Um, and uh, I did, you know, what I feel like the value in Ming is his his off the wall like. He's, he's like a little rough around the edges, kind of. Yes. I feel like he kind of f- fell into like a generic kind of heel in this match. Maybe maybe I'm just looking too much into it. Or maybe it's because of the fact that it's, what, 90 degrees probably? Because he I, yeah. well, that's <laughs> one thing I noticed about this match is Ming was dripping in yes. sweat. I, ca- yes. I can't imagine wrestling yeah, Sting, in that. Yeah, Sting lost half his face paint within the first yeah. few minutes because <laughs> it just, it just melted. But yeah, I mean, Sting looked like at any point he could just go out there and jump on a surfboard and it would fit perfectly. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, I, I, the only things I wrote down uh, with this was uh, it's always cool to hear Michael Buffer intro a match and mm-hmm. and it was, uh, and I, I miss Dave, David Penzer still active on Twitter. You could probably, I don't know if anybody out there knows who David Penzer is, but he was, he was WWE's ring announcer for, mm-hmm. for pretty much the entire length of their, their heyday. But then, uh, yeah, the only other thing I, I would say to it is, man, as, as off the wall and clash of styles as it was that ending. So disappointing. Yeah. I, 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 had, oh, so man, I, I, I'll, I'll run through it. So, so sting, he locks in the scorpion Deathlock. Colonel Parker gets up to to break it up, and this distracts Sting. Uh, Ming takes advantage at that point, uh, but ultimately Sting comes back. It's a big springboard crossbody, um, gets whipped into the corner. Sting does, but it's probably my favorite spot of the of the whole match. Sting's in the corner. Ming charges at him. Right. Ming just sends his body towards Sting with like all of his weight and momentum. Sting gets his foot up, damn near knocks Ming out with this kick. Yep. Um, really laying it in here. Ming hits a, a splash from the second rope at one point for a two count. He gets up, he argues with the ref, uh, but then Sting is able to take advantage of this distraction by just a, a god-awful roll-up, <laughs> but gives him the win. So Sting retains yep. the title, and uh, Ming attacks Sting after the match, but Hawk comes out to uh, make the save, and him and Ming have a little stare down. But uh, Right. Yeah, the finish, man. It, it reminded me of um, 
when Austin broke his neck, Stone Cold, yes. and they had to do that little yes. <laughs> that crappy little roll up. That was pretty similar to what we saw here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And it was weird seeing Hawk with that animal. For those of you that yeah. don't know, uh, Animal had a back injury at this time. So he was uh, on the on the mend. And actually, he and Hawk were kind of at odds because Hawk went to Japan for a couple of years. And he actually formed a road warrior copycat team mm-hmm. with somebody else out there. Animal got mad about it. And the two of them didn't tag together for a couple of years. So Animal's out with a back injury. And he and Hawk are negotiating whether or not they're ever going to tag again. We, don't, we won't see Animal again until... Uh, middle of the next year so mm-hmm. just watching hawk come out there to back sting up without animal i was like uh i remember what because that's the first time i ever met the road warrior or not met but that's the first time mm-hmm. i ever saw the road warriors was hawk by himself so i just thought he had a cool mean gimmick i had no idea he had a tag partner so right. when, when, when animal finally showed up i was like wow there's two of them <laughs> what so. are the odds he has the same shoulder pads <laughs> as this guy <laughs> exactly yeah um so yeah and hawk and ming had a match at the i think it was the last show which was it was a weird one. It wasn't. I wouldn't go out of your way to watch it, but maybe we'll have a right. rematch. I've I've never maybe. seen it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be also bad. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we go backstage here. Speaking of bad, we got the Renegade. Tell me, Dave, you a big fan of the Renegade? I had no clue who he was, and I will probably forget about him when this show's over. Actually, so. let me let me ask you this: When you saw him, did you yeah. think, "Hey, that's the Ultimate Warrior"? No. <laughs> So you're saying it wasn't a good, uh, a good parody? No, I, I thought I thought this dude just this dude this dude's on meth or something. <laughs> this, this dude this dude just came I off think the surfboard. That's the idea. Yeah, he, they slapped some face paint on him, and then and I was like, why is he with Jimmy Hart too? This is like the weirdest pairing of of anything. But of uh, yeah, it's, anyway, yeah. So he's here to be that ultimate warrior like stand in basically. Kind of, and it's there's like this little alliance that's surrounded by Jimmy Hart, it's Hogan, right. Renegade, Macho Man, all you know the WWF, the Golden Era, uh, right. big names. Um, so that's kind of kind of wise with Jimmy Hart, and still doesn't really make sense. But right. Um, so yeah, we got a Renegade promo, which is a treat. I've never seen a Renegade. Pro- I've only seen him bumble around in the ring. Uh, but yeah, it's a bunch of growls, a bunch of snorts. Um, yeah, and he's here to TOS. Dave, do you remember what that means? He's. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, I wrote it down and then I forget. That's one of those yeah. page. I, I didn't forgot. tell you it was going to be a quiz, but there is. Yeah. No, TOS. Uh, Terminate uh, on, on site. Yeah. Yes. That's pretty cool, right? Nope. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Renegades here is trying to cut a promo fails. So that leads us into the match. <laughs> it's uh, believe it or not. Renegade is a champion at this point. He is the TV champion. Right. Coming off a victory over Arn Anderson, of all people. I believe it was his, it was definitely his debut uh, pay-per-view match. I don't know if it was de- mm. his debut match in general or not, but I mean, they're throwing him in there with guys who can theoretically be that quarterback kind of guy, I guess, to lead him through the match. But yeah. Um, yeah, how much you think they had to bump Arn's, Arn's pay to let him put this guy over? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was set for the rest of the year, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, kind of a similar story here. So we got Renegade defending his title against Paul Orndorff. Mr. Wonderful. Ooh, man. Oh, man, I missed him. Yeah, he's he's just so solid. I think that's the yes. word for him. Yes. Um, and he did the thing in this match that I was hoping I would see. is uh, So Orndorff at one point gets knocked over the ropes to the outside 
and he grabs a handful of sand. Genius. <laughs> and throws it in the face Genius. of Renegade. Uh, That's the price of his mission right there. To see Renegade yeah. get sand thrown in his eyes. And and not to spoil the rest of the pay-per-view, but fun fact, nobody else did that but him. And I'm glad they didn't prostitute that. That was a very yeah. memorable moment because right. he did it. So I mean, they could have had like a casket match with like a hole in the sand or something, but maybe that's next year. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's buried alive on the beach. Hey, yeah. you know, uh, AEW still has Bash at the Beach. They maybe do. we can see it. Dar- like maybe. a Darby yeah. Allen match. I could see that. Maybe, maybe. I'm like half joking. That seems like something they would do. No, that is something <laughs> they would do. Absolutely. But uh, the match is what it is. I mean, it's actually not as terrible as I thought it would be. Um, Renegade's getting some of his offense in. He's like hitting drop kicks. The crowd is not into <laughs> Renegade, though. This is the one thing. No, they're cheering the heel. They, that, 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 that was mind blowing because back in that day, they usually didn't do that. Yeah. So it was really weird to hear them cheering Mr. Wonderful and booing the Renegade. Right. I mean, Orndorff so. here is getting some of the biggest pops of the night. Yes. And he's the heel. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, so Renegade, he uh, hits a drop kick and then. Not, not a lot to this match. Ultimately, Renegade hits a back suplex uh, with a pin for the win. The, the commentary said that Orndorff's shoulders were up, but I watched it back. It seemed like his shoulders were down to me. Yeah, it, it looked interesting. Now, it's funny because Nate Patrick is looking at his shoulder and then, yeah, the other arm comes up. But even the shoulder, he, it's like his I can't do it because I'm facing you. But it's like both shoulders were like this. Yeah. So it's like they're not flat. So right. it's like technically you're, the referee's supposed to slide their hand under. If they get their if they get their hand under your shoulder, then the shoulder's up. Right. So, but so, but it's like I think even Nate Patrick was like, "Can we just end this? I'm done with this renegade night. Can we just end this match?" <laughs> it's hot. His face paint's melting off. Exactly. The crowd doesn't care. They're throwing beach balls all over the place. Let's just go Nick, home. Classic Nick Patrick with that big old flowing mullet he always had for Ooh. all those years. Ah, he got rid of the mustache though. I think right. Yes, he did. Ah, yes, I was he did. Disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, so Renegade wins. Um, Orndorff, once again, the heel attacks after the bell, hits a pile driver to a huge pop. Gotta love, I mean, yes. how could you not, though, for a Paul Orndorff pile yes. driver? Um, so Orndorff hits it and then he starts arguing with the ref for no reason. Uh, but Renegade no sells the pile driver. You see, kids, people have been doing this for years. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I still hate it. Yeah, knows. <laughs> but it's Renegade. What are you going to do? It's it Renegade. Um, so Renegade gets up from the pile driver, goes to the top rope and hits a flying something. He kind of just throws something. his body. <laughs> I don't know if it was a cross body or a forearm. He threw his body at Paul Orndorff, knocked him down. And, uh, yeah. So like I said, it wasn't terrible. You know, Orndorff's there. He made Renegade look good, I think. And the match, you know, it was what it was. If the Ming Sting match was a B, what would you rate this one? Uh, probably a C. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. But, you know, it, it was, you know, if we're talking like value per dollar, I, I might give it to this match, honestly. But, you know, but man, the hits just keep on coming. So uh, the next match. Remember, folks, this is 1995. We got Kamala versus Jim Duggan. What in the heck? And uh, as if that doesn't read crazy enough. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom is here as well. <laughs> yep. So we got a little vignette before this match. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. So it's like a pre-tape thing where they're in. What is I guess their dungeon, right? Of Doom. <laughs> what, what, wherever they are. <laughs> Look like a cheap uh, kids show set. Like where the scary caveman's about to come out. David, it's the dungeon 
of Doom. It's the dungeon. Okay. That's where that's where they're at. It's there's no cheap. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. There, there's nothing cheap about. Maybe I watched a different part of the section from you. I'm yeah, like, you might have caught like a different. I might have. It might have been ninety six. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Kevin Sullivan, aka the Taskmaster, Taskmaster, is uh, he says he's drinking from the goblet of darkness, and now he feels the power, and he's uh, he's crossed. He, he he's introducing a new monster to add to their ranks of the Dungeon mm-hmm. of Doom. Um, and this new monster has he's he's crossed the burning sands of the Sahara Desert. Uh, he's a warrior who has slain beasts on stones of Mount Kilimanjaro from the deep, darkest heart. What a backstory of Africa, of the Ugandan giant Kamala. The uh, this, it's like, what are we doing? Um, but, you know, so we, so we have all that. And then it cuts to Jim Duggan. And he's just like, oh, God damn it. He has his stupid stick, and he's like, ah, oh, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Mm. And it's like, you know, much love to Jim Duggan. I know he's, he's dealt with, you know, some health struggles as oh. of late, but but at the same time, fuck Jim Duggan. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's had to live through it. I, I, I've never really gotten Jim Duggan, but, um, but yeah, no more Mr. Nice Guy, according to old Jim. But uh, the match happens. And I'm watching it. I'm like, is this in the 70s or 1995? Because you have right. the, the spot that that stuck with me is the spot where Kamala's like in the center of the ring and uh, Jim Duggan's like hitting him with punches. And every time Kamala's like, he's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, is the he going to turvy? Yeah. So we got that deal. Um, then he hits his stomach a few times and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, oh, he's ringing the dinner bell. <laughs> <laughs> I Bobby lost Heenan. It, dude. Dude, I, I was starting to like write down things Heenan was saying, but if I just kept doing that, I wouldn't have been able to pay attention oh to my, the show. I, I, I you can read the transcript of these pay-per-views, and he and it'll just make you laugh out loud. Heenan is so funny. Yeah. He's a great guy. Dude, that's great, a guy. Good commentator. I mean, I wish he would have been here during like the podcast generation, because he would have yes. had a killer one. Yes. Um, But yeah, Heenan also says, I think, uh, Kamala, his feet are so big, he has 10 toes on each feet. It's like, yeah, good one. Good one, brain. Did you um, also catch, not not to get off topic, did no, you also please. catch that every time the camera would pan a girl in a bikini, they would both just stop talking? <laughs> I am glad you brought that up. Yes, because who cares about this match? So the Baywatch girls are here. Um, I guess they're filming and at some sort, I guess I'm, I've never, I don't watch Baywatch. Baywatch yeah. It's probably like in the background of whatever they're doing. But right. um, so the Baywatch girls are there and every once in a while, <laughs> like Heenan, there's at some points where he would like stand up on his chair and like look out. Sit down, brain. <laughs> <laughs> There's one line. Brain's great, but so is Tony Schiavone. And the way that yes. they banter back and forth together is hilarious. Yes. Because um, like brain's like, oh, I think one of them winked at me. And then Tony's like, she got sand in her eye. <laughs> Both eyes? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's good. Called, that's called blinking. Well, you're just mad she never blinked at you. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, but uh, some... Things that are less pretty are Kamala and Jim Duggan. Uh, you got Kamala locking in a bear hug. Everybody's sweating and dripping all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but Duggan fights out of this bear hug by, I think, like... Twist- no sells it, by the way. No sells the hug at any point. In that's, the hug. Yeah. that's Jim Duggan's thing. Yep. Um, but he gets out by twisting his nipples, I think, and he, like, bites them. I was kind of, like, half paying attention, but that's what that's how I gathered it. Um, Terrible. Then you have Duggan hitting his three-point stance shoulder block. Yep. Um, he's about to get the win here, 
But the taskmaster gets up on the apron to distract Jim Duggan and the Zodiac comes out. Yep. Is um, it's like a blend if, for anyone who's not aware of the Zodiac. It's, it's Brutus Beefcake, right? Right. And the and the booty man in WCW. Yes. How, how would you describe his aesthetic here? He looks like a zebra mated with a uh, scimitar. Is what it looks like. <laughs> so <laughs> I said a mix between a zebra and Naomi because they had like similar like tights. That yep, I, I'll give you that. I'll but, give you that. Like you've seen way too much of his thigh here, but exactly, yeah, it is what it is. He's the Zodiac, but uh, Zodiac comes in here while the ref's distracted. He grabs Kamala's mask. His little like headgear thing he comes yeah. out with and hits Duggan in the back of the head with it. And that gives Kamala the win. So yeah. uh, victory for the Dungeon of Doom here. Any other thoughts? I'm ranking this one an F plus. Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave it a plus. <laughs> the only plus is the only the only reason they got a plus is because of the 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 comical trying to see who could out chant each other in the first five minutes of the match. I don't know how many chants Duggan got going at uh, the start of that match. Uh, I, I was like, okay, USA! you got to say, all right, Duggan, you got 10 minutes. Well, this dude can't go seven. So I'll have to get the first three to the crowd. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there was only one person on this show more desperate for chance than Jim Duggan, but we're going to get to him shortly. Yep. Um, but before that, we got a macho man promo. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's we're at Slim Jim's bash at the beach. We got to have a macho man charisma. The cream rises to the top and you got to snap it to a Slim Jim. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, Uh. (laughs) but he's here to basically uh, promote his match with Ric Flair later. And uh, it's been a whole thing where uh, the last show Macho Man's father was in attendance and uh, he got involved. Actually, the two shows previous to this, Ric Flair actually attacked his father. Right. Put him in a figure four. And then there's this whole revenge storyline. But Macho Man lost their match at the last pay-per-view mm-hmm. um, and shady in a shady kind of way. So now we have a lifeguard lumberjack match uh, later in the show to kind of, I guess, try to neutralize yep. Ric Flair and all the interjections from absolutely his buddies. But we'll see how that pans out. Um, but before that, we got some gold. Like, yeah, if Macho Man, Ric Flair, who cares about those guys? Because we got some Dave Sullivan to talk about. Never heard of him. <laughs> You're not missing no. anything. So nope. I'll try to lay the foundation on this uh, elaborate storyline here. So the match is Diamond Dallas Page versus Dave Sullivan. But we're not at Diamond Cutter or I guess he's doing the diamond cutter, but he's doing the diamond cutter. He's, he's not DDP that we know and love. He's not he is, DDP yet. No, he is. Um, you, do you ever go to a, like a wedding or something and they have like a photo booth and they have like like different props and silly jackets to put on and sunglasses? Exactly. That is who D- DDP is here. Yep. He's got like the cigar. He's got the glittery jacket. He's got the lady on his arm. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, man. His knee pads are diamonds. Yeah, well, he's Diamond Dallas. He would just be Dallas Page without the knee pads. Um, He was going to cheer for Dallas Page. So basically, the reason this match is happening is, uh, for context, DDP is like the arm wrestler guy in WCW. He's he's beating everybody in arm wrestling matches. You'll, like, pluck a guy out of the crowd and beat him. Um, And at the last pay-per-view, DDP challenged Dave Sullivan to an arm wrestling match. 
Um, and the stakes were uh, if Dave Sullivan won, he got to go on a date with the Diamond Doll, who right. accompanies DDP. Right. Uh, but if DDP won, he got awarded Dave's Rabbit Ralph. Do you know anything about Ralph? I do not. Please educate me, Mr. Kyle. Well, Ralph is a bunny. Rabbit, some may say. Um, and he is Dave Sullivan's best friend. <clears throat> I don't ask any more questions what he does with this rabbit. Uh, but they're friends. So. And that's the backstory to this match. Does that add any uh, value to you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the only thing that I was thinking this whole time was this guy is about to become arguably the biggest star in the attitude area for WCW. Yeah. This guy that that was one of the. That was one, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't take too many notes on this one. I just put down. There weren't any um, to take. I mean, yeah, I just put down. I'm just so glad he. I, I, put, I put down two things. I'm so glad DDP eventually got new gear and new music. His music sucked. Yeah. It was so bad. So, so bad. Um, but I will say this. The one, the highlight of this match for me is even in this char- character that he's playing right now, I've always loved DDP's style. He's a yeah. brawler. He's, he's just, he just cut loose. You know, very stiff. You know, he he just he he looks for an opening. And he throws something at you, and I don't think, I don't even think half the time you know what's coming. It, it just right. okay. I feel like I'm gonna do this. Oh, and that here it comes. So you know, <laughs> I just and I've always I've always loved that about. It. He's very unpredictable. You know, not not smooth or technical by any means. He's just a brawler. So I yeah. just always I've always liked that style. That's kind of what's drawn me to Sting as well too. Like he he's not like technically sound either. Really, he's but he's right. like he's a little rough around the edges, but that kind yeah. of makes it believable. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, Similar. Sting, yeah, Sting's just explosive. He's just yes. always coming at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. DDP is a little more scrappy, I guess would be the word. Exactly. That's the, that's the perfect word, scrappy. And he's yeah. he's very charismatic too. Even at this point, he is. He hasn't really harnessed it and figured out a way to get, yeah. you know, the crowd the crowd to care, I guess. But he's definitely you could tell there's something there. Watch what am I missing? Here. What am I missing? Oh, bang! <laughs> He's missing, missing. Uh, hey, let me just steal a Nirvana song and come down yeah. to it. And people and change it. one note in it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's dun-da-da-dun-dun. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so the match happens. Like I said, there's not a lot to it. It's a pretty short match. I think it's like four minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you got like Dave Sullivan's kind of like winking at the Diamond Doll and stuff like that. And this pisses off DDP. That's pretty much the story of the match. Pretty but, much. Uh, Ultimately, diamond cutter for the win for DDP. Uh, and this is like, man, the thing about this match is Dave Sullivan. Poor Dave Sullivan. Uh, the, the, I think this is the point where the crowd's like throwing a beach ball around. Yeah. Um, but Dave this Sullivan. Bathroom, this is the bathroom break match. He, he is trying his yeah. darndest to yep. get the crowd to make a noise, but they will not. Mm-mm. But this here's the thing, man. This isn't like a one-off match where they like threw Dave Sullivan out there and it was like, oh, it doesn't work. Let's not do that again. Right. Now, this dude is like, cause I started reviewing these shows in like the spring of 94 and now we're in the summer of 95. Dave Sullivan's been on damn near every pay-per-view. Wow. <laughs> it's like, what? Dude, these had matches must with be Kevin Ted Sullivan. It must be Ted Turner's brother-in-law or something. Well, it's Kevin Sullivan's brother. So. Oh, there you go. There it is. There you go. I Clo- did not know that. Okay, makes sense. Close with Hulk Hogan, I'm sure as well. So, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that match happened, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> so we get a uh, a little collection of promos here from the participants in the three way tag team match. So we got the Harlem Heat, the Nasty Boys, and the Blue Bloods. 
uh, Blue Bloods is uh, Steve Regal and uh, Bobby Eaton. Uh, Robert Earl, Eaton. Yeah, Earl Robert. Yes, correct. Um, you get a Harlem Heat promo. Like, okay, so Harlem Heat have a promo, and then the mm-hmm. Nasty Boys have a promo. Without watching the show, you know what the promo sounds like. It's like yep. this classic. Yep. Um, then you have the Blue Bloods. It's like a vignette of them like walking around Hollywood with just kind of like a fish out of water kind of deal. Exactly. Anything stick out to you in these like promos? Just just when, we, when you join me for our top 10 favorite tag team show, mm-hmm. Harlem Heat was my number two. This is one of the reasons why they're they're raw. They're they're having Sister Sherry right there with them. Um, Booker T just oozed that charisma. But then mm-hmm. the, the, the mic would go over to Stevie Ray. He ain't that far behind him. And, yeah. and these two guys, you just believe them. You just want to see them go out there and tear it up. And Harlem Heat carried the WCW tag division for a, nearly a decade. For they sure. were, they were, and, and later you'll see in the match when we get to the match, they 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 made it a point. Nobody's going to outshine us in this match, and they didn't. The yeah. Harlem Heat was incredible. I love the Harlem Heat. Even no matter how bad a card is that I watch from WCW, if the Harlem Heat's on it, then yes, I'm satisfied because, like Absolutely. you said, they just. Ooze charisma, the act with Sister Sherry, that just was perfect. Um, but the Nasty Boys, I gotta say this, I'm becoming a huge fan of the Nasty Boys and watching these shows. I was because they're another team that were before my time, and I never really got them, like just from not just from seeing them aesthetically. But watching their matches, they're they're super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you got uh, Regal and Bobby Eaton out there to do what they do best. I mean, they're, they're great. The, the, the facials that they have their their style. Yep. It's uh, it was, you, it was can a, tell St- you can tell Steven is Williams brother because they look almost daggum like twins. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just kept going, how the heck did midnight rock did midnight express Bobby Eaton get caught up in this gimmick? What the heck? Just, yeah. One of the best tag team wrestlers of all time. Why is he a blue blood with Steven Regal? Why is he not high flying with, I don't know, some other guy than being the Midnight Express, but anyway. yeah. So before we continue, that, that was the joke about Regal, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was completely okay. a joke. Because <laughs> there was like... a there was a moment I kept going, that's Steven, right? No, it's William. That's Steven. No, it's William. <laughs> because they... <laughs> Okay. I was like, does he think they're two different people? No. Um I, <laughs> I was gonna like blow your mind on screen. And I was like, oh man. No, I don't. Um but so we get it's a three-way tag team match of all these teams. It's very interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. It's because it's very clear that they, there was not a lot of triple threat matches before this, if any, mm-hmm. much less for a tag team triple threat match. And um, there's a rule here which doesn't really get utilized a lot today that I think should. It's a triple threat match, and if one team gets disqualified, they're just eliminated from the match, and the match yes. continues on. I think yes. they should. I don't know why they don't do that now. I've I've said triple threats, fatal four ways, any match that has more than one on one or two on two participants in a tag match. It, there should be if something is done that is disqualification worthy, then that should disqualify the additional person and it mm-hmm. should go down to then a triple threat or go down to a regular match. And I hate t- triple threat tag four way tag rules where you can tag another person in that's not on your team. Yeah. This is the dumbest rule. And I and WWE still does this every now and then. 
where where these you the, you got yeah okay one person from these two tag teams were going to be in and this other tag teams over here in the corner neither one of them is in but hey if you're okay with them coming in and possibly getting the win go tag them how dumb is that i don't want any other team in this ring i want me and my yeah. partner and that's it that is the dumbest rule I I t- the only time where it kind of makes sense is when there's a heel tag team that doesn't want to get involved until the end. Uh, okay, you can milk it that bones. way. Yeah. yeah, you can milk it that way. Which is what I thought the Blue Bloods were going to be yep. in this match, but that wasn't really the case. Mm-mm. In fact, I mean, first of all, the match gets started off with a coin toss to see who starts the match. Which and I we hear was, nothing and we see nothing, so we don't even know what's happening. I don't think yeah. the people in the ring knew what was happening. Mm-mm. But the thing is, it didn't matter because everybody just starts fighting with each other anyways to kick off the match. Yep. Um, and this match, I mean, it's, it's a chaotic slugfest, I guess, is the way to describe it. Yep. Um, get a little pity city from uh, from the mm-hmm. nasty boys and into the blue blood. Stop. Oh, man. I'll always pop for it. But yeah. um, commentary is very confused, um, as they should be, because yes. this match is like. There's just no rhyme or reason, I felt like. It was just people ta- doing a few moves and then tagging whoever's yeah. nearest, whether it's their partner or whether it isn't. Right. You know, you can create a semblance of storytelling with these triple threat tag team. It's hard to, and, you yes. know, you might, may or may not like it, but they, there wasn't any effort. I mean, but, to, like, again, we're 95. This type of thing was never, this is a very new thing. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's interesting to watch the kinks get worked out on how this kind of thing works. Um. But yeah, like you said, just random tags. Don't you know? Um, don't you know? Later, when the first triple threat tornado tag match, like Hardy's Deadlies and Edge and Christian yeah. happened, don't you know Harlem Heat said, "Sucker, we could have been doing that." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I you made me tag another team. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh god, man, That's I would have. So good man, how what? That's what this match needed. Yes. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Yes. Yes. They, were, they had like tiki, a little... Tiki torches, sunscreen, surfboards. Yeah. Come on. Put your opponents through a surfboard. There you go. Let's go. Let's, Let's do go. it. I think AEW yeah. did that recently, but you yeah. know, we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the finish, as if this isn't just ridiculous enough. Chaos enough, yeah. The finish was dumb as hell. So we have... And I watched this several times to make sure I had this right. Right. So... To be clear, there's only two legal people in the match at one time. Correct. The legal people are Nobbs and Booker T. Mm-hmm. Nobbs hits a backdrop onto Regal because everybody's just in the ring. That's whatever. But yeah. Nobbs hits a backdrop onto Regal and then Sags hits a backdrop onto Booker. Booker lands on top of Regal. Nobbs then hits a splash on, on the pile of those two gentlemen. Yep. And then Sags pins Regal. So it, it sags on top, and then it's Booker, and then it's Regal. Right. Booker's on top of Regal. Sags is sitting on him. But Booker is not legal. Well, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm Booker, Booker is legal. Booker and is legal. Yeah, Sags is the one who's not legal. Booker you know what? And, yeah. I think it does make sense then, because Booker is on yeah. top of Regal. And Regal's legal, and so right. is Booker. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Booker was not legal. It was Sags and Regal, I think. Okay. And it's the Sags so, so, it's a backdrop on Booker. So Booker stole one here. Yes. Unless there was a point where Sags like ripped Booker mm. from the apron into the ring. Yeah. But the ref didn't signify a tag. So it was all a mess. But the story here, basically. Yeah. So you got Sags on top of Booker, who's on top of Regal. Yep. Sags makes the pin, thinks he wins. But Booker 
is, I guess, technically legal, or maybe he's just the one immediately on top right. of Regal. Maybe that's the right. way that they didn't really explain it. But right. long story short, Harlem Heat retains. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then they go on, I guess, on a future show to face the uh, the stud stable and Dick Slater and uh, Bunkhouse Buck. So I'm sure that'll yeah. be a barn burner as well. But what were your thoughts on this this whole deal? I Just again, like I said, just... If you've never seen the Harlem Heat wrestle, go back and, and watch them versus the Nasty Boys, watch them versus Public Enemy, watch them mm-hmm. versus Sting and Luger, the American Males versus Harlem Heat, one of the best rivalries in WCW, but Marcus Bagwell, Scotty Riggs versus these two, just barn burner matches. Now you got to get past a little bit of the, you know, a little, there's, they're not, they're not the Usos in the New Day and they're not the Hardys and in, in Edge and Christian. They're right. not going to be as, you know, as, as, um, you know, as energetic, but the storytelling and just the characters that, that Harlem heat were, you'll, you'll quickly see why Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner and, and Nitro and WCW Mm -hmm. just made them the cornerstone for tag team wrestling because Booker T top 10 athletes in WCW history, I would say. Yeah. At least. And good grief. This WCW history for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just incredible incredible watching watching these guys do what they could do yeah i mean they could i mean they could have a match with me and you and they would make it entertaining so. they would absolutely <laughs> and and the, and the nasty boys were good foils for this match and yeah. and bobby eaton went from again went from being a high flyer to all of a sudden showing i can be this snobbish technical wrestler that's how good bobby was and mm-hmm. so for him and and steven regal to you know be the it's definitely a clash of three styles so i, I mean i I rate I rated it up I rated it a C plus because there was there was a point I don't know if you remember this there was a point where all of a sudden the camera pans out and it's just this really long three minute wide shot and mm-hmm. and so all all of a sudden instead of I mean WWE does too many camera cuts in my opinion yeah but for the longest time there's just one static shot it's like the dude walked away from the camera and forgot about it or something right. but all all of a sudden just this long back and forth thing. And it gets really confusing. You don't know when tags are happening because mm-hmm. they're not close up on them. And you don't know, you know, what, what moves happening in the corner because you can't see because it's just from this one angle. And so I'm just like, look, I'm just like staring at it going, okay, now I'm lost. I have no clue what's happening right yeah. now because you can't see anything. So no, I, I don't think anybody knew what the rules. I don't think there was, I don't think no. the left hand was talking to the right in this situation. No, Cause even comment, I think Heenan was like, uh, well, you can't tag in somebody that's not your, tag team partner and then tony's like yeah you can and then he's yeah, like can. of course you can yeah that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> that's what i said oh you pay attention to me Giovanni. <laughs> <laughs> so good oh my gosh i loved it but uh so we go from that chaos to a different kind of chaos lifeguard lumberjack match we got the macho man and the nature boy oh <laughs> dude <laughs> fucking love uh, Ric Flair, uh, you just say what you want about him. He's just, he's one of a guy. He's a character. Top five all time. And if you don't have him in your top five, what's wrong with you? He's yeah. that good. He's, he's just, that good. He He's, I've never seen a tanner person in my mm. life than Ric Flair. <laughs> well, I don't remember what he said, but it was the other classic. Woo! <laughs> That's all I'm, he says. <laughs> Macho man, I slapped your daddy and I'm going to slap you. Ah, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> That was kind of like a mix between Macho and Ric Flair there. Um, that was Macho Flair. But um, so <laughs> he stays right here pretty much the whole promo. And every now and then you got to watch your Macho. I'm going to 
chop ya and slap ya and woo break your legs with the figure four because the nature boy the jet flying limousine riding kiss stealing wheeling dealing son of a gun I'm gonna beat you tonight and then I'm gonna beat your daddy and then I'm gonna take your wife and all your daughters and I'm gonna woo take it man Jane <laughs> just, that's, that's the best part. Tell him, Jane. Just both these men. Okay, I'm just going to say this and then we can get to the match. When you tell me, who do you think were meant to be in a rivalry? Macho Man oh, yeah. and Ric Flair. Arguably one of the most non-talked about, but in my opinion, one of the greatest rivalries mm-hmm. in the history of the sport. These two had such fantastic chemistry they feuded for daggum nearly four years in WCW. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it got so personal with Miss Elizabeth. I think that's coming up in the next year. You'll probably be able to talk about that more in the near future. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, the, the matches these two had, legendary. And they mm-hmm. never get talked about. Everybody talks about Ric Flair and and St- and, and uh, you know Terry Funk and Steamboat. And everybody talks about Savage and Steamboat, Savage and Hogan. Mm-hmm. No one t- And Savage and DDP later on, which was one of the best rivalries in WCW. No one talks about Flair and Savage, and it's one of the best rivalries of all time, in my opinion. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, two two characters that even people who don't watch wrestling know who they are. Yes. And for good reason, because their characters is the way to describe it. They're incredible. So exaggerated, but so entertaining. Um, But but like I said, it's a lifeguard lumberjack match, because remember, (laughs) we're at the beach because it wasn't clear. And um, so it's basically the, the the ring surrounded. I think it's just wrestlers that are wearing like tie dye yeah. shirts. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, I saw I saw Bobby Eaton back out there. You saw yeah. uh, uh, Nine Page is back out there. Arn Anderson's out there. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of and and also the Baywatch girls and boys are now lumberjacks in this match. And I would pay anything to watch David Hasselhoff throw Ric Flair back in the ring. <laughs> I would have paid anything for that. Was was the Hoff out there? No, he wasn't. Yeah, was he wasn't. I didn't see him. No. Was Pam Anderson out there? I didn't see her either. I I, I kept looking for for them and uh, what oh, the the dude that always played his lieutenant. I forgot that guy's name. He was a pretty famous actor too, but I keep I keep forgetting his name. But uh, um, all I, of I WCW's see- money went to Slim Jims. So. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the match itself, damn good match. I mean, it's Macho Man and Ric Flair. It, at the very least, it's going to be okay. Um. But, you know, it, again, as kind of a theme of this show, they're at the beach. It's not really, but more, it's not about the content of the actual match, seemingly. Mm-hmm. But um, that being said, you get kind of, you know, it's a, a Ric Flair match. So obviously he's going to attack the leg of Macho Man. That's a yep. big part of the story going into it. Um, but uh, it's a lumberjack match. So another element of it is the constant throwing over the top rope. Right. Um, into the lumberjacks, which, by the way, I guess isn't a rule anymore because he used to get disqualified. Like getting thrown over the top rope, like very recently, like within the past couple months. So I don't know if they're like phasing that out or maybe it mm. was like maybe it was ignored for the lumberjack purposes um, or maybe nobody was paying attention. It could, could be either one of those things. So you're in a lumberjack match. If you got thrown over the top rope, that was a disqualification in any match. If you any got match. thrown over the top rope, it was an automatic disqualification. Wow. But there was like little caveats. You have to like. So there was like a match where somebody was like going for a suplex. 
and they like tumbled out to the outside. But that wasn't okay. a disqualification because it right. was just it was just happenstance. They didn't deliberately you, throw them off out of the ring. Right. right. So it, it gets even okay. more contrived, which it makes it even dumber. But I gotcha. Um, don't know what the origins of that rule is or why it stuck right. around so long. Because like I said, it was here a few months ago in '95. But maybe they're phasing that out here. Um, but uh, yeah, the lumberjacks. Not not too much involvement, I guess. They're pretty much just throwing them back in the ring when they get thrown out. Mm-hmm. Um, until uh, Ric Flair gets thrown out and the Lumberjacks catch him. And this all this hullabaloo distracts the ref. And this allows Arn Anderson to get in the ring and give a brutal DDT to the macho man. Just a man, just a piece of art. Frame that, put it in a museum. Arn Anderson DDT. It was the snap of the week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what that's what they called it. But um, so Flair tries to capitalize on this um, by going for a pinfall, but it's a two count. And this causes Ric Flair to uh, go to the top rope, which always ends well for for Richard here. Um, But not in this case, because he gets tossed off. Who would have thought he gets tossed off the top rope by Macho Man? Uh, Macho goes to the top, comes down with an axe handle, followed by a body slam. Followed followed by the picture perfect Macho Man elbow. Nobody ever did it better. Mm-mm-mm. Sorry, HBK. Not even you had a better elbow than the Macho Man. No. Um, but uh, yeah, classic Macho Man Ric Flair type of match. Uh, Macho Man gets the win with the elbow, and I was pretty happy with this. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I ranked. It's the only match on the card. I gave an A. Yeah. It, it was. I, the, the key phrase that I took away from this match was Bobby the Heenan saying savage never stops yeah. the, the epitome. If you want to, if you want a phrase that describes the macho man, that's it. He never, he never stops coming at you. I mean, everybody, everybody ranks him and steamboats match at WrestleMania, like one of the best matches of all time. And it is, in my opinion, it is mm-hmm. savage is such a brilliant guy. Technical, his agility is almost unmatched. The things he can do with his body that look so easy, but they're almost impossible to do for most of any other wrestler. Yeah. It's just incredible to watch him do it. And uh, and I will say this, when uh, something else that people don't think about when you think about Ric Flair, he doesn't look like a strong wrestler, but he is. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He's got he's got those... He's I a big Bo- guy. Yeah, but Bully Ray calls it, uh, he's got um, go muscles. You know, it's it's like those um, yeah. instead of show muscles, he's got go muscles. He he's deceptively very strong. Some of the ways he was able to press Savage, who is not a lightweight. Savage weighs like two hundred forty five pounds at this time, and mm-hmm. he's 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 throwing him around pretty effortlessly. And the the one thing I wrote down is I miss watching megastars wrestle when they're actually megastars. Mm-hmm. We don't have the closest thing we have probably in today would be you know you could say Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. But I miss watching two guys that the whole world knows their name, and they're gonna pack out arenas and pack out stadiums to watch them wrestle. And here we we get them in arguably the best shape of their careers, mm-hmm. putting on a clinic in front of a bunch of hoodlums drunk at the beach, and not even yeah. not even fully understanding or respecting the art that they're watching right in front of them. And I, I don't know about you, Kyle. I miss true superstars, true megastars doing what they yeah. do with each other. In, in, on TV and in front of a crowd. I miss it. We don't have it anymore. I think Cena was the last one. Probably. I mean, Brock Lesnar's still around. You can argue he... Yeah, I, I would argue he's he's a megastar. 
I don't, I don't even think I'd argue Roman Reigns is. I mean, in the context of people that watch wrestling, he is. Yeah, not yet. He's the. I'm just saying that he's. The, they're the two biggest in the WWE right now. Yeah, no, 100 yeah. percent agree. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, in the peak of their career, maybe not. I don't know if peak, but they're definitely moving around as if it was the peak of their yeah. career here. Um, so good stuff there. But uh, that brings us to the main event. We have the WCW world heavyweight title on the line Mm -hmm. in a salad steel cage it is the champion hulk hogan versus vader and uh hogan is not alone he uh, of course has jimmy hart but he also has rod the bod the worm (laughs) dennis rodman when he played on the spurs at the time yeah Yeah. oh yeah wow was he on the spurs at this point yeah, he was on the Spurs. He when he switched over to the Bulls is when we got him later. Uh, Hogan and Rodman versus Bischoff and DDP. Right. Uh, or, or no, uh, Hogan and and Carl uh, Malone, DDP and Carl Malone versus yes. Rodman and Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was getting like the Jay Leno match yeah, that, mixed up. I was getting yeah, my wires crossed there. Yeah, that was in. Gosh, I forgot what year that was. That, that was, was like, like two thousand, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. So I think. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of is ninety eight. I think. Yeah, I know yeah, what you're talking ba- about. Match of the Beach 98. Yeah. Yeah, that was a hit from what I remember. But yeah, it was uh, a good match. So Dennis Rodman here, he's just a uh, just accompanying Ho into the ring, although he does get a bit involved later. But um, before the match, they highlight the Roadkill Tour, which I guess from, from what I gathered is just Vader squashing people on live events. Yep. Um, which is valid, I guess, maybe on Saturday night and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, man. I don't, you don't you don't drink, do you? No, but OK, so but if you did and if you wanted to play a drinking game, it would be take a drink every time Vader or Hogan says brother in their promos. <laughs> One minute into the promo, you'd have to call an ambulance. Dude, <laughs> it's so bad. Like you expect it from Hogan, right? Yeah. But Vader, after like seven of them, I'm like, is he? Is he is he is he ribbon? I, I think that was just a, I think that was the trend. I think that's just something because because Macho did it too. Sting did it. That, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was just I don't know I don't know what the modern day vernacular of that would be, but that's just what they did. So let me tell you something. There's a lot of that on the show too. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so we got uh, promos from Vader and Hogan. We also get a advertisement for the Collision in Korea. I Which, saw that. Is that is that show available anywhere? I didn't see it on I, Peacock. I, I, I didn't see it on Peacock. I would be interested. Maybe some of your listeners can let us know. I would love to be Please. know if that is available. I would yeah. love to do like a watch along or something to that because yeah, it's after seeing that Dark Side of the Ring episode. Did you ever get a chance to watch that? No, I didn't. I need. Yeah, well, I, I just now got access to Dark Side of the Ring, and I've got so much other stuff I'm oh, watching. Yeah. I I always it's one of those shows that I'm like, yeah, I need to watch that, but I've never seen an episode of Dark Side of the right. Ring. I need to. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. But yeah, no, it's not. It's a it's a good one. The collision. It, it's so like nothing bad ultimately happened, but this is just like the tension. I mean, it's North Korea. It's like right. what you would imagine. It's just the danger right. that they were put in for really. I guess I, I was about to say for no reason, but I mean they've. I think to this day, it's like the biggest wrestling show that's ever occurred. Right. I want to say, I want to say, I could be wrong here. Somebody will correct me, but I think it was like 200,000 people. I think that's the number they said. Yeah. Yeah. Or somewhere close to that. So it's, it's nuts. Just the whole enormity of it. But, um, I think this is, this is before it, right? I think, yeah. Or, or did it just happen and they're showing highlights from it? 
I'm yeah. Trying to, uh, or was it like taped in there? I, I forget. But I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Whatever the case is, um, it's it's around this point. I was still trying to recover from all the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> brother, because you know Vader, yeah, he's like yeah. like a triangle. Listen here, brother. And then uh <laughs> What what are you what is your feelings on um on this version of Hogan as opposed to late eighties, early nineties, thicker three hundred pound Hogan? Um it's hard to see because the thing is, I feel like their in-ring style is pretty much the same. I think I, I, this this version of Hogan in 95 definitely moves around better. But ultimately, as far as what he's doing, I think it's the same. Mm-hmm. The only difference would be, you know, late 90s or, or late 80s, early 90s just had much more of like a larger than life right. kind of aesthetic to it. Like which, the E-Man. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, he's yeah. still big here. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Yeah. But he yep. was just comically big back right. in the day and yeah um i don't know what did you think about it yeah i felt the same to me the the mid 90s wcw hogan was the first hogan i saw i you know because that again i'm wcw yeah. was my first exposure to wrestling so the first time i ever fell in love with hulk hogan was this red and black character mm-hmm. and and it's funny watching this match especially and i've gone back you know and watched wcw matches recently that he was in like the one where Luger beat him for the title in 96, uh, 97. And of course the Starcade match with him and Sting, which was, I feel so terrible that match ended the way it did. It could have been so much better than that. But, mm-hmm. but just watching Hogan, I'm like, this guy doesn't do anything, but like three moves. Yep. But, but why does he make me get so invested? It, it's like the unspoken charisma and the unspoken body language and, the constant facials, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing with his with his eyes and everything, and I'm like, he sucks you in. I'm like, that's why he's one of the greatest of all time because he just makes you want to keep watching the match. And but and I'm actually watching the um, you know, the Attitude Era right now where Big Van Vader is, you know, f- messing with the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and he's re- and he just uh, formed a tag team with uh, Mankind, and uh-huh. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can enlighten me. I can't get into Vader. I don't know if it's just because he's not big bang, uh, bam, bam, Bigelow. And he's not, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, any of these other bigger guys that were a little bit more athletic than him. I can't get into Vader for me. He's boring. I don't know why, but so, yeah, I don't know. I know at some point when it comes to Vader, it just fell off. Like, I know he was a monster and then he was like the WWF version that you're just talking about. Um, but I'll say this. I, I I watched a good bit of him from 94 and his Mm -hmm. matches with like sting and even like Big Bubba Rogers and stuff, I love those matches. I thought he yeah. was a really believable monster, just the way he clubs you and super athletic. Yeah. I mean, we, we 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 get a lot of that nowadays with big guys that are athletic. But back in the day, right. that wasn't a super common thing. Yeah, like him and Bam Bam Bigelow. But yeah, I don't know. I think at some point he just, for whatever reason, that mystique kind of went away. I don't know if this is where it started. You think he lost too much? Um, possibly. I don't, I think it may be trying to think like other heels that were coming in. Maybe, maybe the giant comes in and all of a sudden Vader is like like half the size. So it's like, what? um, but you know, Vader, he goes to the WWF not long, right? Not super long after this. Maybe it's like a year or so, but I know eventually because he's definitely there in 96, but, um, I do like watching Vader, uh, at least like early Vader, Mm -hmm. because like I said, he's just so smash mouth and he just has a really cool presence right. about him and the moonsault. Like I'll tell you this, no one hits a more devastating moonsault 
than 100%. Vader. It's 100%. not pretty, but he lands it flush yes, every time. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. He's the last person I want to get moonsaulted. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know, maybe his character was a little corny. Maybe it was a little outdated. Maybe that's kind of ultimately what it comes down to. I, th- but, um, I think that's it. I think it's the, it's the, <gasps> I think it's a lot of that. I think if he just walked slowly, didn't say a word and just beat you, I think that would make him more f- fearful to me. So. I'm always, I've always been confused, confused by his mask. Cause yeah. he, he comes through the ring in a mask, but then he just takes it off. Yeah. I was like, why bother? <laughs> like well, you have well, the headgear. Well, funny in WWF, he didn't take it off. And I think Vince wanted him to keep it on. So I yeah. agree with that. I yeah. agree with Vince on that one, but um, yeah, yeah, Vader's okay. But uh, when he's not just <laughs> flowing with brothers out of his mouth, mm. um, but then you got Hogan, man, Hogan promos. He's he's always talking about his new tricep vein. Yeah, he, he seems to have a new tricep vein every show. I mean, it's, you know, it's quite the story that's being told here. You could tell at this point in his career he needs to change something, and th- and yeah. right around the corner he changes. So it's yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes them exactly one year to change, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's definitely the crowd's still with Hogan. Like yeah, they're they, not by they any means turning him. on him, but um, he's de- the honeymoon period is coming to an end because yes. he came. Well, it's actually been a year because he debuted at Bash '94. Now right. we're at Bash '95. He turns heel at Bash '96, so it's a pivotal show for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> so I, got, I had to bring up the promo because uh, Hogan he says that he's gonna pick Vader up. Because remember, everybody, they're at the beach. So he's going to pick Vader up and he's going to throw him into the shark infested waters. Mm -hmm. And then the sharks are going to eat Vader. So that's how I thought this match is going to end was with sharks uh, eating Vader. But that's you were waiting for Hogan to pick him up, carry him all the way through the crowd to the ocean. And the last thing we see before it goes off the air is Vader throwing in the ocean. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more of like uh, him grabbing him by the ankles and just like tossing him into the ocean from the ring. But, you know, teach their own. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, you know, Hogan, Vader. It's been a very long story that's been being told. I mean, where was this June 95? It's the summer whatever but um it this the story kind of got started like towards the end of 94 mm-hmm. um and um because you know vader won the number one contendership but then they've had like various tag matches on pay-per-views and non-title matches but now we're here finally it's in a steel cage and this is the t- time period where the steel cage is like the the be all end all of uh of blow-offs so yeah even though it's only eight feet tall yeah what the hell was that what the heck <laughs> I was like, Hogan, what just the jump heck? over it yeah <laughs> Oh man, you're lucky you don't have like Montez Ford in this match. He's just gonna oh hop God. right over. It. Oh yeah, Jeff Hardy would be like, "Hey, I no, that ain't even worth climbing." <laughs> yeah, it was very rickety. It was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a Hogan match. You like you said it earlier. It, you know what you're gonna get with a Hogan match in this era. You know he gets beat down by Vader, um, but eventually comes back. Uh, there's one point where Hogan puts on because Vader has the big like elaborate steel headgear that he has on. There's right. one point where Hogan like puts it on and like headbutts Vader with it, which I thought was pretty funny. That was funny. Was like Vader, why don't you just wrestle in that? You know, yeah. if you're gonna wear a mask. What is that thing? Stainless steel? I think so. And Randy Anderson just barely holds it with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's yeah. well, it's like perfect timing. Right when they say it, the weakest guy in the ring can hold it with yeah. one hand. <laughs> it's 500 pounds of solid uranium. And he just, Randy Anderson, like, get this. 
piece of shit out of here. Oh. Um, tosses it over the cage. I love Randy Anderson. I love oh, he's Randy the man. Anderson. Oh, he's the man. Ref. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of ramming into the cage. Um, just a really cool visual. Like, can you imagine? Like, hey, it's a it's a Sunday afternoon. Let's head to the beach. You got yep. nothing else going on. And then you turn to the right and you got Hulk Hogan wrestling Vader in a steel cage. It's like, <laughs> where are we? What what time is it? Unbelievable. Um, but uh, yeah, so ultimately uh, Hogan, he's kind of trying during the whole match to slam Vader, you know, just trying to rekindle that Andre the Giant mystique. Yep. Uh, ultimately, Hogan does slam Vader, uh, but he hurts his back in the process. Uh, Vader takes advantage of this, kind of beats on Hogan a little bit, but who would have known? Uh, Hogan hulks up. Um, he's getting rammed in the cage, but even so, he's like, oh, brother. Um, this causes the Taskmaster and Zodiac to come out because we didn't get enough of the Dungeon of Absolutely. Doom before. How about an encore? Let's yes. <laughs> encore indeed. Uh, but thank God the worm is out there. Dennis Rodman. He runs off Kevin Sullivan and Brutus Beefcake with mm-hmm. a steel chair. And um, so that takes care of that. But in the ring, uh, Hogan hits a leg drop, then a second leg drop. But instead of pinning Vader, he tries to escape the cage for whatever reason. Um, so he climbs to the top. Vader is able to stop him before he gets over the top ledge. They're kind of fighting on, on the top rope against the cage. Eventually, Vader falls and gets crotched on the top rope. And this allows Hogan to escape and retain his title. How do you feel Brother. about escaping the cage versus pin or submission inside it? I'm okay with climbing over the top, not through the door. <laughs> that Thank drives you. me crazy. Thank you. Do you remember? Th- did you ever see the match with Owen versus Bret Hart where literally yes. the only way to win was escape? And the entire match is climb, pull down, climb, pull down, climb, pull mm-hmm. down. And I remember talking to to Bob from Back to the Ring about that. He said that is one of his, at, as much as he loves that match, it's one of his least favorite matches because how stupid is it that the whole point of the cage is to keep people out of it so you can get what you need to get done in it. And so uh-huh. why is the objective to get out of it when the whole point of your rivalry was to finally get that opponent in it? So I was yeah. like, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I get what he's saying. I kind of, I don't. I, I'd rather. I'd rather use the cage, bloody your guy up, and then finally make them pin or, or submit them in it. Why? Why after all this time, you know, I've got you. I've got you prone. I'm going to mm-hmm. pin you or, or put you in a hole to make you tap. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to risk my health and risk my injury. I'm going to climb out this six, seven, eight yeah. foot, <laughs> or, or, or or the WWE twenty five foot high steel cage. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So in this case, I, I agree with you because Hogan, like, why would Ho- Hogan, you have him down, just go for a pin. Like, why are you trying right. to escape? The, I guess I don't know. But if there's a scenario like you're talking about Brett Owen earlier, and it's been a while since I've watched the match, so I might be wrong here. But I believe it was a story of, you know, Brett has Owen in the cage. He's finally got Owen to himself. But Hogan you know, keeps Owen, trying to get out. Yeah, because that, that kind of tells a story of how like how much he doesn't want to fight Brett. Like he'll risk his health to escape the cage. He'll do whatever it takes right. to avoid doing this and to win the match and whatever it is. So if it's something like that, it's like, okay, I, I get it. But, um, the door thing is that there's no, it's terrible. It's <laughs> you can't make that work. It's um, unless there's been a few finishes that have been kind of fun, but the, the concept is just doesn't work with me. Um, but uh, Hogan wins here. And then, uh, 
they they like undo the cage. Hogan celebrates. He poses. He leaves. But Vader's still in the ring and uh, Ric Flair comes out to uh, berate Vader because the past couple months, it's been this kind of a thing. It's been like Flair and Vader versus Hogan and Macho Man. It's been that kind of mm-hmm. clash. Um, it's They separated into singles matches on this show. But uh, so Flair's like, what are you doing? You, you didn't get the job done. You had one job to do. Uh, woo! Like all that kind of stuff. And uh, so Vader does not take too kindly to this. And he uh, attacks Rick. But Arn Anderson's back out here to make the save. And he like pulls Ric Flair out of the ring. And mm-hmm. Arn and Ric Flair scurry away as Vader uh, kind of just stays there. I don't know. I don't know. He just leaves. Go get a tan. Right. I don't know I what he does so. after this. Now, at this point. Is it just Rick and Arn, or is there? Because I know Benoit's about to come, and and then Mongo right. is on commentary. Mongo becomes the fourth. So is there is there any other horsemen around at this time? Not at this time. So I think so. I, I have not watched this time period, um, but I've seen bits and pieces, and I believe we're about to actually get a feud between Rick and Arn that lasts a bit, but then they eventually get back together. Right. And it's sometime either the end of this year, or early next year when Benoit comes in, right. like I said, Mongo. And then that's the whole thing. Cause the next bash, cause I did, I, I watched bash at the beach 96 somewhat recently. And at that point it's, it's Rick and Benoit and all those guys. And like miss Elizabeth right. is there and yep. um, Deborah too. <laughs> so yep. it's like a, that's a weird period of Ric Flair. That's not my favorite, but no. um. But yeah, the show kind of <laughs> kind of peters. I do like the because uh, like Arn and or, um, Tony, Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan, they're like, all right, that's the show, folks. And then they like take their headset off. And then then this whole thing happens with Vader and Rick. And then yep. Tony's like, wait, are we still on? Are we still on? And they're like, like getting their, <laughs> they're like getting their mic on yep. and stuff. And it's holy, like, holy cow, we didn't expect this. What's happening, brain? <laughs> yeah. So that was that was kind of cool. I, I like yeah. how they tried to do that. But uh, yeah, like people like leaving as it's I happening. Agree. It's like, what the hell? It's the show over. WCW did a really good job, especially with the. I mean, you're going to get to it later. Especially mm. when the NWO finally did invade, it it felt so real. Yeah. The, the, the camera angles. The the when Jimmy Hart came running out to the ring to interrupt the match and said, you don't understand the outsiders are in the back, the outsiders are in the, and nobody believed him. And then finally a camera got back there and it's literally one camera filming the entire thing, trying to catch whatever he can catch and halls beating up Bagwell and mm-hmm. Kevin Nash, the famous scene where he throws Rey Mysterio into the side of the trailer. And, yes. and then macho man hops on top of the limousine, all one camera moving one camera. Yep. It, it felt so raw and so real. Nope. Monday night raw. It just, it felt so, you know, it felt so organic. Like, oh my! And literally, I remember hearing a story from Kevin Nash. The police got called three times that night from people yeah. in the area thinking it was real. So that's yeah, that's <laughs> that that's a sign you're doing it right. And and you say this all the time, and I agree with you. I, I miss that. Like yes. I miss that naivety. Like that that us fans have towards the product. Like, is it real? Is it not real? Because everyone has to have like you know yeah. claim they know even if they don't know. So I yeah. do miss that, and I think that's a golden era. That's the way, as, and that's the way I still try to watch it. And, 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 and I do and, too. And, and like I said, if, if I, if I put that filter on, if I put these sunglasses on and I'm watching it as if it's real and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you do something so stupid, either on mic or in the ring to where literally you've yanked them off my face and I know it's mm-hmm. not, then, then yep. that's on you. But these people that are like, I'm going to choose. I can't, it can't be real. I'm not, it's no way it's real. Th- those are the people that I'm like, you're missing the whole point. Are you? Those are the people that go to watch David Copperfield and go, "I see the elephant, I see the mirror." <laughs> I'm like, dude, yeah. why'd you pay your money to come watch this thing if you're gonna act this way? 
It's yeah. I, don't, I don't understand it, man. I don't get it. I found if you turn like social media off while you watch wrestling shows, there's so, so much, much more fun. <laughs> it's so much more fun. You can suck it. Yeah. But yeah. um, but yeah. So Bash at the Beach 95, man. What a uh, what, what, what a thing, man. What, what, what an experiment yeah. from WCW. Absolutely. I could see why they didn't do it too much more. I mean, just from like a financial logistical standpoint. But right. for what it was, it was a cool thing that they did. I mean, uh, any other general thoughts on the show? No, like you said, just every now and then they made sure to get that that sweeping shot to watch that huge crowd gathered around that From ring the helicopter, the, the helicopter shot over the beach. And I, and I just like, this is cool. And, mm-hmm. and, and then later on, was it the next year in 96, the first ever hog wild where they showed the huge what mate wave of motorcycles and, right. and all yeah. of that. And I'm like, WCW was not afraid to, you know, to do these really cool concepts and let's make it organic and let's make it real. And, and all of that. Now, granted WWE did a little bit of that in the attitude era, but the majority of it was, you know, very controlled because they wanted yeah. the audio and and they wanted the the, uh, the of course, and I, I agree they want the utmost safety of their performers. You have no mm-hmm. idea when any of these drunk surfers is going to jump the rail and get into the ring of Hogan, <laughs> but you know, so I I see that for sure. But no, I, I applaud them for doing something unique. That again, neither one of us are going to walk away from this and not and not remember that scene and not remember that you know that that beach filled with people with a ring in the middle of it that I'm never going to forget that visual. And so props to WWE, WCW for doing it. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Even it's just a stark contrast from what we see today. Cause now 100%. at least with WWE pay-per-views, TV shows, it's all the same. And yep. that's from, from listening to Eric Bischoff talk like on his podcast or wherever it, it was definitely a, an effort to make each pay-per-view have its own theme. Yes. And sometimes it was as ridiculous as being on the beach. Sometimes it's just having Halloween decorations. Sometimes it's having motorcycles around. But every pay-per-view felt like an event. And it felt like yep. a unique event. And from that aspect, I, I agree with you. Much 100%. props. 100%. Um, but speaking of an event, speaking of great shows, the Bammer Slammer, Smacked Raw. Where can everybody... Uh, first of all, thank you, Dave, for making the time <laughs> to watch the show. Come on, talk about it. Uh, where can everybody find you and listen to you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BamaDave24. You can find the SmackDraw Podcast at SmackDraw Podcast. Uh, we stream every week on twitch.tv slash SmackDraw. And um, we uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Podcast. So if you don't catch us live, you can go to the YouTube channel. And you can watch our clips and our uh, um, you know all the episodes we do, including our Mute RMs, which if you've never met RN and heard one of his rants, it's must watch. It is mm-hmm. absolutely golden every time he does one. So you, if you go to the channel just for those, then uh, you're getting your your well wishes. But no, Kyle, it's it's been an honor uh, to be on here with you. You've become like a mainstay on my show. I think we, we have a... You know, we have a we have a very similar palette when it comes to pro wrestling, what we like about mm-hmm. it. And so it's always fun catching up with you, man. Absolutely. We'll definitely do this again sometime. You know, we will. Absolutely. Once again, thank you to Dave Bama Dave from the Smacked Raw podcast for joining me to cover this ludicrous show. Bash at the Beach 1995. Once again, go check out the Smacked Raw podcast at Smacked Raw pod on Twitter their link tree and all that shiz is in the description below. So go check them out. Really, really fun podcast uh, covering current day stuff as well as more evergreen topics in wrestling. So go check them out. And uh, apronbump.com for all of my full episodes. And uh, hey, if you enjoy this kind of content, you're like, hey, 
I enjoy WCW retro reviews, go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab at the top, select WCW, and that'll bring you to all of the WCW shows that I've covered thus far. And that's everything from Spring Stampede 1994 up until now. So everything from then to now and everything in between. Go do that if you want or don't. I mean, I'm not the boss of you. Uh, that costs extra. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, do that. Follow me. Tweedle my nipples. Uh, call me a little bitch. You know, all the things that you do for your uh, favorite podcast host. It's hosts and uh yeah it's about all daddy has for you today thank you all for listening today smooches all around i'm hard